great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just Ooh, ran down. Everybody, amazing! I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's good. Way to go! All over the Rams today and Rammy. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow! Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic hosts of this show, Nick and Nick. Coming off of a weekend where we were all together. It was me, you, and Dad versus the world in SoFi Stadium. A lot of great Rams fans, tons of Eagles fans. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. You know, it'd be nice to be three and two, but I'll take two and three after playing three teams that were in the conference championship in a span of four weeks. Um, schedule lightens up, so I think I think there's a real possibility we get to fall in the win column pretty fast. I'm proud of the, you know, I'm proud of this team. I'm a little less proud of the fans, um, but I'm proud of the team. I would love more Rams fans there, honestly. Yeah, I think when you put it into perspective, what Eagles fans travel, it like an insane amount. They will travel yeah. every single place. They like to take over a stadium and claim it their own. So that's just, that's just what they do. But when you put the season into perspective, I think that you understand you play two teams that were in the conference championship, another team in Seattle that was in the playoffs. Um, another team in San Francisco and the Bengals like that. This schedule is really impossible for the first five weeks. I think two and three is a pretty decent outcome considering yeah. the expectations of this season. Um, and then now, now the schedule starts to lighten up. You got two back-to-back home games in the Cardinals and the Steelers, I believe. Um, so, I mean, that's what you're looking up to. Just the fact that this team has put together a pretty decent sample size of offense, defense. Some of the younger players have stepped up. Cooper cup is healthy. All three weight bearing walls are healthy. Um, I think for the most part, it's about as good as it could have went uh, to start off the season. And I think Rams fans do a really good job of packing the house when it's the Cardinals or a team that doesn't have a traveling fan base, right? Yeah. Because they're able to be the majority stakeholder of that building in that scenario. But I mean, when these other teams travel, it's unpreventable. These ticket master prices and season ticket holders selling the tickets like it probably was one of the most valuable games to be able to sell from a season ticket perspective. So I, I understand like this is, this is the Eagles, the, the Niners, the Raiders, the Steelers, they all have great traveling fan bases, nationwide fan bases, 40, 50 years of legacy. So with us and the relocations and moving around a little bit, it felt like we had to uh, have a couple of extra beers and be a couple of uh, decimals louder to make sure that us Rams fans were heard in this game. Yeah, and you know, I say that I'm upset about Rams fans, but it's not like I'm at every single game, so I really can't be that upset. Um, exactly. Yeah, you, you know, when you're playing somebody like Philadelphia, you, you don't want to have to hear them spell in your ear every time they, you know, they have a good play <laughs> with their E A G L E S chant. But it is what it is, and then you know, everybody was a good sport, and it was a really great time. So it was a yeah, it was fun just going there, meet you and Dad and some of my buddies and. It was great. I mean, I, I would have loved the outcome to be different, but that was the team that represented the NFC in the championship Super Bowl last year. Yeah. So, you know, I thought we put up a pretty good fight. I really think that the tailgates uh, scene has 
drastically improved. I mean, we were there in the early days of the Coliseum. We've seen it advance over to SoFi. And just to see the amount of Rams fans intense and support from the diehard Rams fans to all of the other groups that are just collaborating and putting out food and drinks and just activity and buses and TVs and everything that you could imagine to create a really positive SoFi uh, experience in terms of a tailgate. I think that progress is definitely being made. So I'm, I'm proud of the Rams' fan base for week to week to week getting better. I mean, that's that's all you could ask for. Um, yeah. So I was I was pretty impressed by the the turnout and maybe not the outcome of the game, but the amount of support that the Rams continue to get week to week. So it's come. Yeah. yeah. All right. So how about the game? Uh, well, I mean, but before we get started in the game, I just want to bring something up real fast, something I'm really yeah, excited please. about. Uh, all right, guys. It's time to hear about one of our all-time favorite sports spots to watch the games, the Brews Hall. It's a brewery and food hall with wall-to-wall large screen TVs and the best staff. Plus, they brew and serve Colin Coward's The Herd Beer. It has a hazy IPA and a Pilsner. This is the perfect game day brew. I'm a huge fan of the Pilsner. I get it every time I go. Plus, their food is incredible. My favorite spicy chicken fried chicken sandwich with a poke bowl. Poke bowl is also just like a good like appetizer if you get some chips as well. Uh, the Bruce Hall has two locations, one in Torrance, one in Hermosa Beach Pier. We couldn't recommend this spot enough. And they are offering our listeners complimentary rally fries with purchase. All, all you have to do is say, hey, the Rams brothers sent me, or just bring up the Rams brothers in any possible way. How cool is that? Just say, hey, Rams brothers, and then you get free fries. I love it. Want to learn more? Check out their Instagram at the Bruce Hall or visit them online, www.thebrucehall.com. Cheers, everybody. Love it. Love it. I could uh, go for a couple of Pilsners or IPAs after having to sit through that game and the second half. Uh, if, when it comes to the first half, I think you could sit there pretty comfortably and have a really good understanding of what the Rams' offense was set out to do how they were intertwining Cooper Cup into the game plan, had a ton of targets earlier on in the first series. You saw just the distribution between Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup and Tutu Atwell and how they're going to intertwine the run game. Um, But then, you know, when you you start to fall behind and the team scores before the half um, on with with 38 seconds left on an A.J. Brown slant that he catches one-handed, and then they push their way in to go up three points, it changes the entire dynamic and mentality of the team. Your expectation is, okay, we're going to be up 14-10 going into the half. We're playing really, really sound football. We're putting together solid series. We're playing complementary football on both sides. And then you just – your expectation is we're going to be up four getting the ball back. Now you're down three getting the ball back. And now you have to be perfect all the way out for the remainder of the game. So I think that's where a lot of the difficulty lied in play calling and decision-making and then just – the whole thing changes when you're you fall behind in terms of McVeigh's play calling and methodology. So yeah, I mean, you get kind of get flashbacks of the San Francisco game. It's like they score. There's not that much time on the clock. You know, the the opposing offense drives down the field. Lots of penalties. So there's like a you know a very easy uh, touchdown with like a yard left where they just get it like. No problem. And when you're that kind of defense where you have 31 seconds to hold them and you can't, it's just a really, really difficult way to win a game. Because then, you know, even if the Rams scored and they made it 21 to 20 in the third quarter, like I still have, I, I, at that point, I have zero faith in our defense stopping the Eagles in like a, you know, in a two minute uh, 
like drill kind of way. Like none at all, because it feels like they yeah. they kind of had everything that they wanted. Every third down conversion, it felt like it was either hurts with his legs, no matter how far it was, or like it was a quick short pass. And you know what? The Eagles are a team that rely on the big chunk play. And I was like, if we can at least stop that and just give them little dinks and dunks and stuff, then we probably won't, you know, be able to give up touchdowns. But so many chunk plays, Eagles got whatever they wanted. It was a tough day on defense. Yeah, those dinks and dunks turn into explosives. Yeah, right? and, then, and then at the same time, like if you would have told me that we only gave up like 20 points to the Eagles by the third quarter, I thought we would have won. So it's also yeah. a really tough day on offense because you start out blazing hot and then the second uh, half comes around and you just have absolutely nothing. Missed that's, throws, that's- drop balls, just like looked like a really young team. You're just you're just missing on some major opportunities to execute down the stretch, right? You're missing on the Puka Nakua drop. You're missing on the two two Atwell sixty three yard would have been explosive break the game wide open play. So you're yeah. just missing on some execution down the stretch. And then there's some other elements when it comes to how often Sean McVay runs the ball when he's up versus when he's down. But I think complimentary football, Nick. He talks about that constantly. Raheem talks about that constantly. Like, that's definitely the big takeaway from this game to me because complimentary football isn't offense has a great, great drive before the half. Leaves 38 seconds on the clock for the defense to shut the door before the half, and they can't. Better yet, they allow a a quarterback sneak as the half is expiring with tush push. Like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like is demoralizing. But when it's Nick Sirianni, And the Eagles, that's what they do best. They're able to obtain the lead. They were able to run the ball 30 to 45 times, 35 to 40 times. They got their explosive. They won at the line of scrimmage, which caused breakdowns in the secondary. They flipped the game plan on our head. Uh, That's exactly what I wanted the Rams to do. I wanted the Rams to exploit a young secondary. I wanted the Rams to be able to obtain a lead, get a lead, win at the line of scrimmage, and then be able to run the ball 35 to 40 times with a lead. And Jalen Hurts running the ball 15 times of of his own. I mean, this is an incredible stat line, and it's almost impossible to defend and it's why he is always going to be up there in terms of MVP voting with this roster 25 of 38 for 303 yards two total touchdowns and interception and ran for 72 yards on 15 carries yeah it's the type of player that's almost impossible to stop once he gets rolling even if it's not a designed run your secondary is going to break down because even if you're generating pressure he's able to escape it create something out of the pocket and then see a breakdown in the secondary and make a play if you're an Eagles fan, you should absolutely clip me from the last episode saying Matthew Stafford right now is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts because, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong by the end of that game. Um, even though Hurts threw an interception, he was near perfect. And, is I mean, the Rams on defense, some of these young guys need to learn how to wrap people up. It's like yeah. two missed tackles. But Hurts, like, gets hit twice on turf and evades an injury and getting down at all in the first place and still runs and picks up the first down. He was absolutely the better quarterback today. He's one of the top five in the league. Like, credit where credit is due. He's really fun to watch. It's, you know, I just don't like the Eagles, but I love Jalen Hurts. So There's the Akella Witherspoon interception where Akella Witherspoon made an incredible play on the ball, and he's been overwhelmingly great. Um, I think they kind of started to attack him a little bit, but they limited Devonta Smith. He only had one reception for uh, – for six yards. But I mean, this combination of players, um, you talk about exploiting players like Darion Kendrick, Trey Tomlinson, some of the back end defenders, Jordan Fuller, AJ Brown, and Dallas Goddard combined for 14 receptions, 244 yards, and a touchdown. 
uh, and the play where you see Michael Hoyt, I think that's one of the frustrating things, especially when you're in the building and you see Michael Hoyt trailing an, an all pro type tight end, a top five tight end, where this is the Vic Fangio defense, where an outside linebacker, an interior defender, converted outside linebacker is tasked to defend one of the top five tight ends in the league in the open field. It's an absolute ridiculous ask. If you could make the play, it allows for a lot of really great matchups across the board for the other players of the secondary. But that's obviously the one that you're going to exploit when you see it downfield. You see a slower 97 uh, jersey trailing one of the top tight ends. You're attacking him all day. Those are one of the things that I hoped the Rams were able to do from an offensive perspective was let's find some of the weak spots in the secondary or maybe an outside linebacker gets matched up on a tight end. And we could exploit it for some explosives versus long developing plays downfield, you know, having to go one for one on a two, two out well, 63 yard bomb in order to stay in the game. So, yeah. And to completely miss that throw. I mean, I know that like he kind of Stafford kind of weaves it through like three Eagles defenders and in real time, it was really crazy to watch because it, it looked like three of them tried to jump up and touch the ball, but the ball zings yeah. right past all of them, but it's just a little too far for two, two. He missed Cup on the wrong shoulder a couple times. Uh, this was the first game this season where it felt like Stafford was not connected fully with his receivers. And then for Puka to get a drop, which is also just – I mean, it's yeah. happened before, but in a time like this where you got to be able to catch that ball. Um, so many, so many targets, so many contested catches across the middle of the field. Yeah. I was pretty encouraged that Puka to – this is a great tweet by Andrew Siciliano – he had a big boy rep. It was a big boy touchdown. He was isolated. He had to win one-on-one against James Bradbury. He wasn't in any short motion. He wasn't in jet motion. Like It was just one-on-one, run a fade route, and go win a jump ball over one of the best corners in the league. On he a third and exactly. 10, what, yeah. from like from like the 33, essentially? Yeah. Like it, I mean, that was not – yeah, that like that was risky in in a way. To, I mean, to, to trust him on that and make sure that he gets up and gets the play because then if not, you got to settle for three. I mean, that was yeah. an end zone job when they could have just went for the first down. So, you know, credit yeah. where credit is due. It, it's just – it's so tough to be at a game, and I'm sure anybody at the Bengals game could probably adhere to this, but be at a game and watch all the momentum just die. Like everything that you had that was working just stops. And then – I mean, we haven't talked about the run game yet, uh, but or, or should I say the, the lack thereof because it mm-hmm. wasn't really anything going on – Truly, I mean, outside of the Hertz runs, which were blown up plays, um, nobody was running the ball well. So it had to have been, you know, big chunk plays. So it, I mean, I still, I still think we need help in the running back room, like yesterday. That's why the task is so difficult for the defense because the defensive line, for as many times as they needed to do a better job getting home, when they did get home and they did generate pressure, Jalen Hurts just has the escapability. Right. And it yeah. causes breakdowns in the secondary. So when you generate pressure, there's you're going to blitz an extra player. There's obviously going to be a matchup in the secondary that you're going to be able to exploit if you can escape the blitz. So it's right. if you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't with this Eagles team because their front is so talented. It's almost impossible to generate pressure when you have to bring another player. It leaves a vacancy in the secondary. It's like very simple math. You're just getting matchups in the back end. Um, so I feel like there's that. There's the tushy pushy which to me is how many difficult third and ones or third and twos would Nick Sirianni be faced with if he wasn't able to call the tushy pushy? 
It was third and two, like four times. And I'm in my head, I'm like, Tush push twice. Yeah, Tush push twice. <laughs> Do it twice. Like, why yeah. not? I mean, if they're not going to ban it when, you know, the offense can push and the defense can't push. I mean, it feels it, it feels illegal, even though I haven't said anything about it until they, <laughs> until it happened to my team. Until it happened to my team, I didn't care. But now I'm playing against the Eagles. I'm like, this I, is this is bull. I always kind of cared about it because Eagles fans claim it's only because Jalen Hurts can squat 600 pounds. That to me is do with the giant offensive lineman that are literally <laughs> covering him. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, well, we have a quarterback that could squat 600 pounds. That's why we're able to execute it so well. We're the only team in the league who's able to do it. And you have the second best front in football. It's 49ers, Eagles. Why you should have we be realized for having strong offensive linemen? I don't know. Maybe because <laughs> it's a rugby play. Hey, listen, it works. Okay. This this team is good. It works when it's not illegal. You know, it's wor- it works when it's not illegal. The team executes it well. It's this like betting Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score. It works when it's not illegal. It, Oh my God! It's an automatic catch. Uh, this Eagles team is really, really talented. Um, you know, it's going to come down to Jalen Hurts making a couple of big throws and avoiding the big turnover. We won the turnover battle. We won that one to nothing. But in every other statistical category, the Eagles pretty much dominated. First downs, third down percentage, time of possession, total plays, yards per play. Eagles were dominant. So. Think about how perfect that that interception came in like time wise. It's like yeah. you, you make that interception, you stop them from getting any points on the board. And now you have a chance to make it 21 to 20, like drive down the field and you don't even put together three. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the offense, right? Because you're to your point, they were particularly solid in the first half. I mean, to the point where we were saying, this is our house, like to Eagles fans, E A G L E S Eagles nap socks. This is our house. My um, dad came up with a good one too to shut them up, which I thought was great. So it was every time they went E A G L E S Eagles, he would chime in with "Lost the Super Bowl," and a lot of people were like, "Ah, oh. you can just feel you can feel them die a little bit." They're I mean, not used you know, to, yeah. We know how hard it is to lose the Super Bowl and how tough it feels the following year, which is why they probably are so crazy and fly out for games like this. Hey, I'd be doing the same thing, and I literally did it. So mm-hmm. I totally understand. I think the the heart of uh, us passionate Rams fans are, goes along with a passionate Niners fan, with a passionate Eagles fan. Like it's just the same level of insanity. It's the same level of being a fan. So everybody who's there is insane a little bit. You're putting your faith into something you have zero control over. So agreed. Here's Matthew Stafford on the day. He was 21 of 37 for 222 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The 2-2 out while Puka Nakua touchdowns were the ones that he was able to slip into his back pocket. Um, I am always impressed with Matthew Stafford. He made a throw to Cooper Cup on the sideline, that 39-yard gain that we saw just play develop. Oh, my God, Cooper Cup's wide open, just an outbreaking route down to the sideline. Um, and Stafford laid it right over his shoulder, right into the breadbasket. Uh, he, he's an incredible – Matthew Stafford's an incredible player. When you don't have a run game, though, and especially when you move away from it and become so one-dimensional when you fall behind, that's when Matthew Stafford gets exposed. That's when he throws the interception. Per Jordan, she's looking up stats on True Media last night. When the Rams are up at least seven points, they run the ball in 58% of the snaps. It's tied six with the 49ers. But when the Rams are down at least seven – they run on 16.3% of the snaps, oh which, is, <laughs> which is the third lowest in the NFL 
So that is that is the epitome of of younger brother Madden syndrome. My it is, God, it is. I am terrified, and I need to score points immediately, and I have to do it in the air because that way it'll be done fast. That is how about this? This one's even worse. worse. They run on 23.6% of plays when they're only down by three points, which is the fourth lowest at the NFL. That's also really bad because that's only like, point. I mean, the, There's your weakness. That's the, the weakness of this offense. Kyron Williams yeah. had 13 carries for 53 yards and an average of 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, you know so what Sean McVay would say? I think if he was here right now and he was being honest with us, he would say if I if I trusted my run game more, those numbers would be higher. Maybe maybe you should, Sean. You gave Ronnie Rivers one carry for one yard. You gave Kyron thirteen for fifty three yards. You weren't trailing for a, a large deficit for a, a big portion of this game. You were down three points going into the half, and you got the first possession coming out of halftime. Like your run percentages can be up. You can get yourself into field goal range. You can convert on some of those harder third and short third and five, you know, whatever it may be, you got to get creative in those situations and you got to be able to, at least if you're going to throw on third and two, you got to be able to be consistently in those situations and get yourself high percentage pass plays. Um, instead of just like that, who could drop on third and 10 or third and seven or whatever it was, third and long, you're dependent on a, a rookie receiver who's playing the fifth game of his career to make the biggest catch of the game. So maybe if your offense was in a better position, two plays prior, and you were in a third and one, a third and two, you could tush push, you could run the ball up the gut, and you're a more sustainable offense throughout the whole period of the game. I don't think I don't think he sh- I don't think we should fault Sean for trusting Puka in that situation though, because no, 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 no. through four weeks that I'm he just saying the, per- the percentages to execute are lower because of the longer distance. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that's and that's being better on first and second down and coming up with more creative runs. Like group jet sweep, I I see the jet sweep Monday night. I see it Sunday night, and I'm like, what? What would, would we just abandon it? Like you have Cooper Cup back. Like you know, do like it doesn't have to be a Kyron run up the gut. Like just change yeah. up the kind of run. Like you're creative. You know, we've we were seen watching. It. Do you remember when we were sitting in your apartment? We were watching the highlights of the Rams Eagles game from 2020 where they ran – so they had jet motion and they had a, uh, a running back for play action. So you ran play action, then you ran the jet motion. And then I think they flipped it backside to Robert Woods, who was also coming in motion, which was a delayed motion. So everything was in sync. Everything was timed up appropriately. Robert Woods caught the reverse and literally walked into the end zone. Yeah. So that was some of the creativity that I was expecting because um, you know what the Eagles are. Right, not a ton of motion. You know, it's it's a it's a busted play. Jalen Hurts can do whatever he needs to do, and they have right. two of the top pass catchers in the league and a great running game. I so. mean, it's also just so disheartening to to be at the game and realize it's a busted play because I mean, you have more access to the field versus yeah. the TV screen, so you're seeing no receiver open downfield, and you're like, oh, busted play! Look, get to him, get to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then you watch him just convert with his legs and it, you know, you're just like, oh, well that would have, you know, any other quarterback that isn't J- named Jalen Hurts or maybe Anthony Richardson is probably getting, you know, swallowed up there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm difficult. Like, like I said, in the beginning of the episode, I'm encouraged that Cooper cup is back. 
I mean, really, really strong. You, rattle off. you have to destroy Arizona at home. And this yeah. will be a true home game because it's a C-tier franchise that doesn't travel well, regardless of how close they are. So, you know, fans show up and the Rams have to just annihilate these fools. Totally. Cooper Cup had eight receptions on 12 targets for 118 yards against the Eagles. I'm expecting the target share to be exactly the same, if not higher. Expecting the yards to increase, and I'm expecting at least one touchdown. That's my lock of the week is Cooper Cup anytime. I was, I, you know, I was about to say that, and I'm not even kidding. That was literally I mean, my next sentence. That would, that would be my layup as money in your pocket. Because um, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup is going to score a touchdown next week against the Cardinals. I, you have to look up his stats against the Cardinals. He dominates al- them. I would also think that I remember last year it was like week four, five. It was early in the season, and it was like post game Cooper Cup in San Fran, um, and he's just like it's like a picture of him doing like a jersey exchange, and he just yeah. looks so tired. Yeah, because, I remember that one because he I, like he's like the entirety of the offense. So I'm sure that he feels a little better with Tutu and Puka like completely stepping up now. So he doesn't have yeah. to feel like he's everything, like he's the only target that Stafford looks at. I got some good uh, Cooper Cup stats for the Cardinals. Uh, 8.6 targets on average in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 all-time games. So he averages nine targets a game for 10 games. Uh, over 65 receiving yards, an average of 10 yards per reception. And he averages half a touchdown per game. So it's hopefully a good bet. Um, it's got four touchdowns in 10 games against the Cardinals. Probably could be a little better, but add two on the board and there's a touchdown every other game. So Yeah. And I think I think he'll get at least one this week as well. I do too. Um, make sure before you guys go anywhere else that you always are. Ramming. Liking and subscribing. Eagles fans, Rams fans, Niners fans, whoever the hell you are, you want to watch the podcast, please join us. Subscribe, like, yeah, love. hate, watch it, do whatever you want. I don't care as long as you watch it and like it and subscribe. Um, and don't forget, guys, uh, if you go to the Bruce Hall in Torrance or Manhattan Beach, just mention the Rams brothers and you get free rally fries. I mean, that's got to be one of the coolest things that that we ever did. For you, potentially. Um, yeah, Nick, we need a live video for when you're in Hermosa and you just say, Rams Brothers, and they come out yeah. with a whole plate of fries. Yeah, that would be, I'll definitely do that this week. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that I get I get a plate of rally fries to take a picture of. Rams Brothers the fry. Yes, That's similar to Rams Brothers the cookie, which was rather delicious. Um, Thank you. Shout out Becker's, Becker's Bakery. Shout out Becker's Bakery. Hey, look, we got some partners, got some sponsors. We're going to get a win next week, guaranteeing it. We're going to get back to 500. And then we got another home game coming up. So good things coming. Back to 500, hopefully. Um, and we got a lot more coming your way. Appreciate you guys always. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching, everybody. Horns up. Peace. Go Rams. <laughs>